Welcome to the Bellway Outsiders Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Vaughn. I'm a lawyer, columnist for the Conservative Institute, and a contributor in many places where I cover everything from politics, law, and culture. I send out a Friday newsletter each week full of political analysis and the best articles I've seen that week. You can sign up and get all of my columns, articles, and podcasts delivered right to your inbox each week by going to thebeltwayoutsiders.com and clicking on the sign-up link, or you can use the links in the show notes, which are available at any time by clicking on them for this or any episode. And finally, if you like what you hear here, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review. If you listen on the website, that's great, but it'd be better for the show if you went to iTunes, Google Play, Amazon Music, or wherever you're getting those podcasts to leave a review. Those five-star ratings help new listeners and readers like you find us, and I always look forward to reading them. And as always, if you can't leave a review, sharing the podcast with others is usually how we grow anyway. So that is always greatly appreciated, and I'm always fond of hearing you guys share it. So in this week's show, we're going to talk through, we're going to talk about the lack of accountability in both the Biden administration and the military establishment at large with the ongoing disaster in Afghanistan. So we're going to cover both of those topics. Um, There's been some other people who've talked about this past week, and we're going to sort of highlight some of those opinions. And then um, we're going to go through some of the excuses that are being put forward by the Biden administration, particularly what has happening over the course of the Sunday political shows, what was the big topic that they were talking about this week. So I'm going to go through some of that and how those didn't even last, I mean, they didn't even last 20, they didn't last 24, they didn't last 12 hours, let alone 24 hours. So that's what we're going to cover in the main stuff. The light item this week is a look back at VJ Day from 1945 when the Japanese surrendered to the United States. Uh, We'll go into a little bit of the history there and why I'm highlighting that this week. So that's the agenda for this week's show. And, you know, we can get started right here. So I I was trying to figure out exactly where to start this episode because this week we had the deaths of 13 Americans in Afghanistan, which is the deadliest day or month we've had there in decades. And so... You know, it really left me pretty speechless this week, watching a lot of that come in. There were, I mean, I I saw people on my personal Facebook feed talking about how they knew some of the people there and that they were broken over it. I had other friends who were in the Marine Corps, they were broken over this. It was really, really a hard week, I think, for everyone involved, particularly those who are either involved in the military or knew somebody involved. But obviously it 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 was a hard week for America as a whole. And, you know, the Biden administration tried to patch over this with what had to be one of the more embarrassing Biden speeches that I think I've ever seen. In, in so far that at, at no point during the debt speech did I feel like he was coherent, with the exception of maybe one small part of it. So it was, it was a rough week. The Biden administration didn't help. And it's just a complete and total disaster of the first order on every front. For an administration that really likes saying that the buck stops with them, they take utterly no accountability for anything that is happening, anything that has happened, or anything that will happen. Uh, There's just no accountability at all. And the idea that everything that is happening in Afghanistan right now was inevitable, was always going to happen. There was no way to avoid any of this. It was always going to be a disaster. And it was always going to happen in some way kind of like this. That is just a farce. That's what the administration's defenders are saying. That's what the administration itself is saying here. And every person involved 
with the decision making. They weren't these people weren't powerless people and capable of intervening at some point and changing how some of this this took place. They're not some kind of powerless bystanders subject to the whims of chance or time. These people had agency. They had choice. And they made decisions with that power. And they are refusing to own up to the consequences of the decisions that they made in this entire thing. And everyone likes to gloss over this saying, well, you know, it was a 20, we've been there for 20 years, there were all kinds of disasters along the way. But you have to remember here, there, there are two distinct issues here. Yes, there's our involvement there for the past 20 years. Whether we should stay, whether we should go, what was a success, what was a failure, so on and so forth. That's one debate. The withdrawal is another, and the withdrawal was done all under the current president. Joe Biden at no point attempted any evacuation until the 11th hour after we were already withdrawing troops. There was no plan. There's no accountability. And so every time you bring up that part, they talk about, well, you know, the choice is either staying there for another 20 years or another year. How long do we stay there until we just leave? That's not the debate. It's how do you run an orderly evacuation? And they refuse to take any accountability on how to run an evacuation. A few weeks ago, I, point, I pointed out, you know, you had with, with Vietnam, when we left there, we had a multi-month process where we evacuated hundreds of thousands of people. There was a plan in place. We executed it. Everyone got out. Not everyone, because you had people who were POWs and that sort of thing. But for the most part, we got everyone out that we could at the time. None of that was attempted here. The withdrawal is a disaster, and it falls on this administration to fix it because they are the ones who administered it. And it's not just the withdrawal that's a, that's been you know the bad decision making here, where they're pretending that everything that happened here was inevitable. It's it's everything. It's even this latest story that we've gotten, where the Biden administration claimed that if it executed a drone strike um, against the ISIS K planners who who killed these Americans at the airport, you know we had this drone strike. It hit this car. It blew it up. The people who planned this are now gone, and we don't have to think about them anymore. Well, now Afghan reports on the ground suggest that as many 10 civilians died, many of those civilians appeared to be children, along with maybe the targeted terrorist. We're not actually sure of that anymore. Uh, here's what the U.S. Central Command released Sunday night in a statement. They said, we, we, remember, when they first released this, they said, we killed the terrorists who were involved with this. It was good. It was a success. Here's what they're saying two days later on a late Sunday night. We are aware of reports of civilian casualties following our strike on a vehicle in Kabul today. We are still assessing the results of this strike, which we know disrupted an imminent ISIS-K attack to the airport. We know that there were substantial and powerful subsequent explosions resulting from the destruction of the vehicle, indicating a large amount of explosive material inside that may have caused additional casualties. It is unclear what may have happened, and we are investigating further. We would be deeply saddened by any potential loss of innocent life. So after being very sure of what happened... Now they're saying it's unclear what may have happened, and they're investigating further. The first statements were saying it's a success. Now they're not so sure. You know, and I'm hopeful this is a success. I really want them to be successful here because you want these types of people dead. But 48 hours later, they're no longer sure, which is not a real good sign here. 
And furthermore, because our people are now limited in Afghanistan, we've, you know, we've only got the military there at the airport. Running. Occasionally you hear stories about these special operations going out to rescue Americans, which that's fantastic. But that's about it. We no longer have resources throughout the country. And normally the, the people that we would work with, actual Afghans in the country, they're in hiding now because if they're helping us, they're going to be hunted down by the Taliban or one of these other organizations. So we do not have the resources that we once had to investigate something like this. Not even close. And our incapacity to know what's happening is being revealed in instances like this where, you know, at the, at the beginning here, you think, oh, yeah, it's success, we got them, and now they're not so sure, and they're, we're talking about civilian lives and dead kids. So uh, all of this just undergirds the continuing disaster that is the Biden administration and the utter lack of accountability here. And it's not just, you know, in, any kind of accountability. You know, you have Nancy Pelosi in Congress. She's refusing to bring things in because there's there's a bipartisan commitment here on both sides who want to ask questions here and get answers, and they're getting nothing. They're getting nothing. Congress getting nothing. Peop, reporters are getting nothing. Anyone who looks at this administration trying to ask questions getting nothing. At a press conference today, uh, you know, I'm recording this on Sunday. Joe, Joe Biden was, was at FEMA doing a press conference about the hurricane in New Orleans. And when the reporters asked him a question about Afghanistan, he said, I'm not answering any questions about Afghanistan and walked away. And that was the end of that press conference. So there's just no accountability here. They're not going to answer any questions about it. It's, it's hard to tell at this point if they even care that American citizens have died in this ordeal. So I wanted to share an audio clip here uh, of Marine Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. He's a man who served in the Corps for 17 years, and he posted a video on social media where he voiced his frustration with the lack of accountability in the military and for everything that's gone down. He doesn't name names, but he's talking about the foreign policy level and the lack of accountability there. So I'm going to let him explain. This was something that, that went viral. Um, but I want you to remember this as you're listening to this. He, who has served for 17 years here, went public with his frustrations here, and the U.S. military fired him in less than 24 hours. And not a single thing that he says is untrue. And I want you to think about that and how quickly he was fired. And I want you to think about, you know, think through the, the Trump years when anyone in the military or the intelligence community decided that they were going to speak up or leak, any bureaucrat that decided to do anything like this, they were immediately heralded. Stuart Sherwell, he was fired in less than 24 hours for voicing absolutely and completely true frustrations, on how everything has happened with Afghanistan. So here is his viral speech that he, he originally posted on Facebook, and it went viral. Good evening. My name is Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller, United States Marine Corps. I'm the current battalion commander for Advanced Infantry Training Battalion. I've been in the Marine Infantry for 17 years. Started my tour with Victor 1-8. It's the current unit that's doing perimeter security dealing with the mess that's going on there. 
I, you can see open source reporting that there was an explosion and some people were killed. I know through my inside channels that one of those people that were killed was a someone that I have a personal relationship with. Won't go into more details because the families are still being notified. Not making this video because um, it's you know potentially an emotional time. Making it because I have a growing discontent and contempt for my perceived ineptitude at the foreign policy level, and I want to specifically ask some questions to some of my senior leaders. And I'll say, as a person that's not at 20 years, um, I feel like I have a lot to lose. If you play chess, you can only see two to three moves out because there's too many variables. I thought through if, if I post this video, what might happen to me, especially if the video picks up traction, if I have the courage to post it. But I think what you believe in can only be defined by what you're willing to risk. So if I'm willing to risk my current battalion commander seat, my retirement, my family's stability to say some of the things that I want to say, I think it gives me some moral high ground to demand the same honesty, integrity, accountability from my senior leaders. And so I want to start with, we'll just use the Marine Corps, my We'll just stick with the Marine Corps. So in the current fallout of Afghanistan, a lot of Marines were posting on social media. And in response to that, the Commandant published a letter, which is the service chief of the Marine Corps. And I want to read from it. It was dated 18 August, so only a week ago. The Commandant, sir, you wrote, some of you may be struggling with a simple question. Was it all worth it? We want you to know that your service is meaningful, powerful, and important. You fought for the Marine to your left and the Marine to your right. You never let them down. Then you go on to say that, you know, if we're, we're struggling, we should we should seek counseling. Which, you know, I get it. People have killed people. Um, I've, I've killed people, and I and I seek counseling, um, and that's fine. There's a time and place for that. But the reason people are so upset on social media right now is not because the Marine on the battlefield let someone down. That service member has always rose to the occasion, and done extraordinary things. People are upset because their senior leaders let them down. And none of them are raising their hands and accepting accountability or saying, we messed this up. If an 05 battalion commander has uh, the simplest live fire incident EO complaint, boom, fired. But we have a secretary of defense that testified to Congress in May that the Afghan National Security Force could withstand the Taliban advance. We have chairmen of Joint Chief, who the commandant is a member of that, who's supposed to advise on military policy. We have a Marine combatant commander all of these people are supposed to advise, and I'm not saying we've got to be in the in Afghanistan forever, but I am saying, did any of you throw your rank on the table and say, hey, it's a bad idea to evacuate Bagram Airfield, the strategic air barriers, before we evacuate everyone? Did anyone do that? And when you didn't think to do that, did anyone raise their hand and say, we completely messed this up? I've got battalion commander friends right now that are posting similar things, and they're saying, you know, Wondering if it, all the lives were lost and if it was in vain, all those, all those people that we've lost over the last you know, 20 years. And it goes on to say that we're all part of a chain. While every link may not be tested, the strength of the chain is only as strong as each link, and you got to be you know, a good link, something like that. And what I'll say is, and from my position, potentially all those people did die in vain if we don't have senior leaders that own up and, and raise their hand and say we did not do this well in the end without that we just keep repeating the same mistakes this amalgamation of the economic slash 
corporate slash political slash higher military ranks are not holding up their end of the bargain. I want to say this very strongly. I have been fighting for 17 years. I am willing to throw it all away to say to my senior leaders, I demand accountability. So that's a pretty powerful statement by a Marine who has served for 17 years. Remember, this is, this is a 20-year war. He's been there quite a long time, knows some of these people involved, and he got fired over that. He was fired for that. So the one person asking questions here for it is fired. Meanwhile, not a single person in Biden's administration is going to take credit or accountability for anything that has happened. I mean, Joe Biden himself has blamed literally everyone for what has happened. And that includes American citizens suggesting that they, you know, some of them are just there because they want to be there. And, you know, because they're, they're talking now, they're trying to switch this, this phrasing out to the people that are left are, you know, we've got everyone out that wants to get out. Implying the reverse here that the other people don't want to get out. They may not know. I mean, that could be the thing that's happening here. But anyway, he's blamed them. He blamed Joe Biden's blamed the military establishment. When, you know, that video talks about the Bagram Air, Air Base, the Biden administration blamed the military brass for that decision. I mean, honestly, that's probably, that could have been a suggestion from the military brass. But you would think if you're evacuating people and your only option is air, you might want to keep that around. This shouldn't be that difficult of a thing to figure out. In any event, for a person who used the phrase, the buck stops with me, Joe Biden has passed the buck to literally everyone. Absolutely everyone. And the one guy standing up here who has been on the ground fighting, he gets fired when he says, I would like accountability. And he's asking that because he he's, he's looking around thinking the same thing that I have seen some of my Marine friends say, which is what... Was this worth it? Did everyone die in vain? And you have them asking that. They're asking questions. And they're the ones suffering through this. Meanwhile, the leadership does nothing. That's not a good look. And it's not sustainable long term. You cannot do that. You cannot expect for people to continue following your kind of leadership if you're not going to take accountability like that. So again, there, there's no there's 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 no accountability here, and it doesn't look like we're going to have anything get fixed moving forward too. Because you know we got the, all these issues on this disaster continuing on. You have the United States has a self-imposed deadline here of leaving by August 31st. There's no rational reason why we have an August 31st deadline here. It can be whatever we want it to be. The only reason we have the August 31st deadline from the Biden administration is because they want to make September 11th a political point to say that they got everyone out of Afghanistan before the 20th anniversary. That is literally the only political explanation for why this is happening they admitted as much early on. They were telegraphing that this was going to be their big, their big political point scoring thing for the late summer. Was they were going to to make the 20th anniversary their thing. 
And this is what we're getting for something that was totally done on the grounds of optics. There's no strategy here. There's no military thought process behind this. It is totally an optics play. And their defenses are only optics as well, and so there's no accountability in the end. So, you know, all, all, all the Biden administration lackeys, they all went on the, they went on the full press tour on, on, on the Sunday shows. You had Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. He went out. He was one of the first ones. Because, you know, you had this big report come out from Politico, and in that report, they said that the U.S. government was giving the names of Americans and Afghan allies to the Taliban. Again, giving the names of our citizens and the people who helped us out. And that in, in some of these categories, that involves people that the Taliban would like to kill. And they were giving these names to the Taliban and effectively creating kill lists. I mean, it's just astounding. And so they obviously had, you know, everyone in Congress, I, I saw people on in the Democratic Party and the Republican Party livid over this, because why would you give the Taliban the names of Afghan allies who have aided us in hunting down the Taliban for the last 20 years? Why would you ever do that? So that was the main story. They're you know, talking about other things, but that was the main story they are pushing pushing against here. So th- here's here's a summation that one news report had of, of Blinken going out there, and then they also had uh, White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. Because there are several shows here. I thought about going pulling all the audio clips, but that would just have taken too much time. So here, here we're going to walk through this. So appearing on NBC's Meet the Press on Sunday, Anthony Blinken was very forceful in his denial of the Politico story. Quote, some of these lists of people that you're trying to get out of the country, you've had to give to the Taliban. And I know you guys have some um, that you think that you think that some of this has been overreported or exaggerated. So this was a question that NBC anchor Chuck Todd was asking. And he continued and he said, but given the Haqqani Network's tie to the Taliban, how can you be sure that any list you share with the of Af- that have Afghans who helped Americans won't be used for some horrendous reasons by Haqqani Network or others? And this thing about the Haqqani Network and the Taliban, the Biden administration has said in previous things that the Haqqani Network, which is one terrorist group, and the Taliban are two separate organizations. That's utterly false. These two groups, are it's kind of like the Taliban and Al-Qaeda. They all work together. In the Haqqani Network, they showed up in Kabul when, when everything went down. They were there. These groups are intertwined tightly. So this notion that these are some of these are different groups. The only true separate group here is ISIS-K. Um, you can say that they are distinct and separate and have some different goals other than the Taliban. But they all have a similar enemy here, which is America and anyone who aided us here. So when you're talking about the Haqqani Network or Al-Qaeda or the Taliban, and you're giving a list of American citizens' names to one of them, the rest of them are going to get it. That's just what's going to happen here. So that's the question that Chuck Todd was asking. He's like, how can you be sure that any list you share with the Taliban won't be used by some of these other groups that clearly want to kill these people? So the Secretary of State responded and said, quote, it's simply not the case, adding that the idea that we have shared lists of Americans or others with the Taliban is simply wrong and that we didn't put those who were on any type of list in danger. So Chuck Todd correctly stopped in here and said, so what did you share? 
So here's what he said. He said, so in specific instances, when you're trying to get a bus or a group of people through, and you need to show a manifest to do that, because particularly in cases where people don't have the necessary credentials on them or documents on them, then you would share names on a list with people who are on the bus so that you can be assured that those are the people that we're looking to bring in, the secretary replied. And by definition, that's exactly what happened. He continued saying, we've gotten... 5,500 American citizens out of Afghanistan, and to the extent that in individual cases with a particular group or bus bus to verify the people on the bus or in that group were supposed to be on that bus to come out, Ameri- uh, you know, this was to help get them passed if they didn't have a right document or anything, that's what we would do. But the idea we would put anyone in further jeopardy is simply wrong. So notice what he's doing here. He's putting a positive spin on the fact that they are giving names to the Taliban. That is happening. And they're saying, oh, it's just manifest and stuff to help get people through. But what they're doing here in describing it is that they're implying that the Taliban are doing the right thing every time they get one of these lists. The people are automatically let through, and that's it. You're implying the good faith of the Taliban here. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, he was also confronted about this, the same thing, on CNN's show State of the Union on Sunday morning, and he basically said the same thing. He said, uh, we aggressively and decisively disputed that report. We've given no list of all the American special immigrant visa holders to the Taliban or any other kind of big list. He went on to insist that American officials have only verified names on buses going through the checkpoints with the Taliban, adding that the idea we're handing some list to the Taliban is unfounded and inaccurate, and the reporting is irresponsible. Elsewhere, in Anthony Blinken's Meet the Press interview, the Secretary of State said it was not likely that the United States will have an on-the-ground diplomatic presence in Afghanistan following the August 31st deadline. He did, however, state that the commitment to help the people leave Afghanistan who are not out by September endures and that there are mechanisms to help facilitate the ongoing departure of people from Afghanistan if they choose to leave. So again, you have those two things there. So again, they are handing over a list of people. They're just putting a positive spin on it because they're implying that everyone who is on one of those lists get out. That's questionable. Or in, because we have on-the-ground reporting saying that the Taliban have turned back people. And two, the other problem there is that if you're not on one of those lists, but you still have the right to get out, that implies that you're not going to be able to get out, no matter what your qualifications are. So it sounds like we're only getting people out that are on these manifest lists that you know we're giving to the Taliban. And if you're not on one of those lists, it doesn't matter what your qualifications are, you're not getting out. So there's the two problems with that. And then there's that last phrase that he that, that Blinken used, the rest of the administration has used too, which is, we're putting in mechanisms to help facilitate the ongoing departure of people from Afghanistan if they choose to leave. So the implication here is that there's a binary group here. There's the people who want to leave and the people who the people who are choosing and the people who are not choosing. That implies an awful lot there. And there may be people who may not have a choice in this matter, one way or the other, because they may be trying to get other people out, and the United States is not going to do much to help them out. There are all kinds of problems here, because what it, basically what it, what it suggests to me is what the administration is going to say, because I'm, I'm recording this on, on Sunday, and so, you know, 30 verses coming up here in a couple days, coming up on Tuesday, I believe it is, and so it seems like what they're going to say on Tuesday 
is that they got everyone out who wanted to get out. And if you're outside of that, then, you know, you must have changed your mind and we'll work something out. But if you want it out, you should have done it then. So uh, that seems like that's what they're, where they're going with this. I find it absolutely disgusting. Uh, I just don't have words enough to describe how disgusting I find that. And these are, again, the White House is giving the names of American citizens and others to the Taliban. They're disputing. The only thing they're really disputing here is that these are potential kill lists. And so they're towing this line that the Taliban can be trusted and also towing this line here that the Taliban can be trusted after August 31st, even though, and this should be emphasized multiple times, the Taliban have not lived up to any agreement either the Trump administration or the Biden administration have ever cut with them. They violated every single one. So the idea that they can be trusted here because we have some kind of mutual uh, you know, goal in mind here is just ludicrous. We, they, we've had some mutual things of getting, we've been wanting to get out for a while, and they still haven't lived up to any of those things. So the idea that you can trust them at any point here is just ludicrous. I've heard some people describe this as, you know, just realism and for policy because we're acknowledging that we have something in common with the Taliban, and that's why we can get some kind of a mutually agreed thing here going. And it's just a joke. There is no realism at that. You're dealing with one party that's lying its way through this and getting everything that it's want while you're just retreating and claiming that you're getting what you want. So remember, these are people who are giving the name... You, you, the American government is giving this to the Taliban. And they dispute that this is a kill list and they're implying that everyone is getting through who is on one of these manifests. That's what they said on the Sunday shows. They said all that Sunday morning. By Sunday evening, as I'm sitting here just a few hours ago, the New York Times dropped a report that obliterated those talking points. So here's a report where they were talking about people who were in the country trying to leave. The New York Times said, Hundreds of students and alumni of American University of Kabul gathered at a safe house on Sunday and boarded buses in what was supposed to be a final attempt of evacuation on U.S. military flights, students and alumni said. But after seven hours of waiting for clearance to enter the airport gates and driving around the city, the group met a dead end. Evacuations were permanently called off. The airport gates remained a security threat, and civilian evacuations were ending Monday. I regret to inform you that the high command at HKIA in the airport has announced there will be no more rescue flights, said an email sent to students from the university administration on Sunday afternoon, which was shared with the New York Times. The email asked the 600 or so students and alumni to return home. The U.S. troop troop withdrawal from Afghanistan must be completed by Tuesday, the deadline, so the U.S. military is turning from evacuating civilians to bringing its own personnel home. The group was then alarmed to learn that the university had shared a list of names and passport information of the hundreds of students and alumni with the Taliban guarding the airport checkpoints, said four students who were on buses on Sunday. Quote, they told us, we have given your names to the Taliban said Jose, a 24-year-old sophomore studying business administration who was on the bus. We are all terrified. There is no evacuation. There is no getting out. So the Times report there is talking about the university handing this over, but the only way that a university can get that information through is by giving it to the U.S. government, who then gives this to the Taliban. 
And we also know from other reporting that the Taliban have been denying Americans and other Afghans access to the airport, regardless of the information that they have. There were reports of Americans having their passports torn up. And we know also from confirmed reporting that there are covert operations by the Taliban to hunt down anyone that assisted the United States in Afghanistan. So that talking point that the White House is advancing doesn't even survive their own descriptions or the information that we're getting on the ground from people trying to escape. These aren't just reporters. These are people who are trying to escape and can't get anywhere, and they're trying to employ the media to help them get out. So that didn't even survive, you know, six, eight hours. That's how fast those talking points went up in flames. And, of course, there is no accountability. They will just continue lying. They'll say, oh, you know, we just didn't know about that. But if your information has been handed over to the Taliban, there has to have been some kind of notice here. So this is the administration making decisions and the administration messing up again. And there is no accountability. And I really don't have anything much more to add than that. It's just... It really is sickening to see when you don't have anybody answering for anything here in this administration. It's one of the reasons I wrote that Congress needs to step in here because we need somebody to have some kind of oversight happening here. Obviously, Nancy Pelosi is not going to do that before the August 31st deadline. She's going to let that roll by, and then we're going to go from there. But it seems clear at this point that people are going to get left behind. And the spin coming from the administration is that they either didn't know about it or that people, or, you know, these are people who maybe didn't want to leave. Take your, take your pick here. The right thing isn't happening here. And no one in the Biden administration is answering for that. And there's very little indication that they seem to care that there are American citizens at play here. So we have Americans who have died now as a result of this disastrous withdrawal, and we're going to have people left behind. I know, I think his name is Matt Zeller. He, uh, he, his group, No One Left Behind, estimates there are at least between 250 to 300,000 people who are going to be left after this evacuation. He's been sending notices and letters by, on a bipartisan basis to the Biden administration all year long trying to get them to evacuate people to no end. And so he's, he's been having to apologize to some of the people he's been trying to get out and saying that the Biden administration is blocking them, the State Department's blocking them. I know Glenn Beck's group has had similar issues where they could get people to the airport, and then they would face the fact that the State Department of the United States government, the State Department, was blocking them from getting people out. And the State Department didn't have to do anything. These were fully funded private flights, charter flights, to get people out, and they are blocking people. So these are decisions from the United States government, and the buck stops with Joe Biden, and he has blamed everyone else. And that's pretty sickening to me. There has to be some accountability here, but there currently isn't, and I don't know what it's going to take to get them to change what's happening here. I just know that needs to be changed, because this can't stand. It absolutely cannot stand. So, leaving on a little bit more of a high note, as I said at the top, 
we're celebrating over the past month. We've been celebrating that we're at the seventy uh, sixth anniversary of VJ Day, where Japan surrenders. Uh, the day that America learned that Japan had surrendered to the United States was August fourteenth, nineteen sixty five. So. August 14th, that's the traditional VJ Day, so that's when you see all the famous pictures and videos of people celebrating in the streets and all that. Uh, But the official day that Japan surrendered was a little bit later when they finally agreed to terms, and that was September the 2nd, 1945, so coming up this week. And again, that's going to be about 76 years ago. So the two countries had agreed to terms, and then President Truman, who took over the White House after Franklin Roosevelt's death, he read off Japan's surrender to both Congress and the American people. Uh, this wasn't on September the 2nd. This was sometime before, but terms had effectively been agreed to at this point, so it was just a matter of setting up the formal ceremony, which would happen on September 2nd. So here is a clip of President Truman reading off that proclamation. I received this afternoon a message from the Japanese government in reply to the message forwarded to that government by the Secretary of State on August 11th. I deem this reply a full acceptance of the Potsdam Declaration, which specifies the unconditional surrender of Japan. In the reply, there is no qualification. Arrangements are now being made for the formal signing of the surrender terms at the earliest possible moment. General Douglas MacArthur has been appointed the Supreme Allied Commander to receive the Japanese surrender. Great Britain, Russia, and China will be represented by high-ranking officers. Meantime, the Allied Armed Forces have been ordered to suspend offensive action. The proclamation of VJ Day must await upon the formal signing of the surrender terms by Japan. Pretty cool clip there. I didn't realize that 2020 was the 75th anniversary of everything that happened in 1945. The pandemic kind of overrode all of that. So that means the next major anniversary is going to be the 100th anniversary of VJ Day and the end of World War II, which is going to be 2045, which, I mean, 24 years from now. So not that far away um so the but it is sort of interesting you know that that war defined the rest of the 20th century set up the cold war basically you know you have all the institutions that come out of that and nato and everything it's all going to hit about 100 years old day here in in just a couple of decades here so that's coming up and sort of interesting to think you know you're not that many generations away from people who had to fight it. I mean, I had grandparents who were actively involved with all that. Great Depression, World War II, everything. So very, very interesting to see that that's coming up on the 100th year anniversary. That's all I've got for today's show, though. Questions, comments, corrections, or feedback, you can reach out to me in the contact information in the show notes or hit me up on Twitter at DevonCI. Look for my next columns on Monday and Friday at the Conservative Institute, and the newsletter goes out early Friday morning, so just make sure to sign up before that, and you will get the next issue. Thank you for listening to this podcast and making it a part of your day. Remember, if you liked and enjoyed it, make sure to send in those five-star reviews to help us out. I hope you tune in again, but until then, I am your host, Daniel Vaughn, signing off for this week, and I will see you guys in the next episode.